Okay, I'm recording this while the delivery person is six blocks away. Let's see if I can do it. This week, I have the amazing Lucy Pohl. This is a content warning, though, because she does discuss sexual assault, an assault which happened to her as an adult, as well as an assault that happened when she was 12 years old. If you would rather not listen to that story, it starts at the 42 minute and 45 second mark. Uh, here's a, a very intense shift. I have to do this every week and I feel so bad because I always do it after the warning. But I have a live show. The next one is June 17th, the Harry Butthole Live, 7 p.m. at Caveat, New York City. Tickets are on sale now at caveat.nyc, I believe. And oh my God, I did it before the delivery guy got here. So thank you. Harry Butthole. <laughs> Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. It's a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. Today I have the hilarious comedian and my very, very good friend, also somebody from Germany. <laughs> I don't know why why that's important, but now you know. <laughs> Lucy Pohl. <laughs> the, the cat's out of the a German bag. How do you say how do you say the cat's out of the bag in like is there a similar saying in German? Yeah. There's the exact same the the uh, saying the katze ist aus dem Sack. Oh, that sounds very similar to English. Yeah, German is very sim- similar to English. Yeah, but I feel like or English to German. <laughs> well, I feel like sometimes it'll be like there'll be like a word like flower and then in German it'll be like 19 letters long <laughs> and you're like okay. yeah one of my favorite examples is happy birthday in german is this herzlichen glückwunsch zum geburtstag that's amazing <laughs> what the fuck? it's so it. long Good for them they, yeah. they kept it they know. it's their thing yeah um yeah it's their thing exactly okay i want to start by addressing what you just said because you were talking about i was telling lucy that i was like crying in therapy and you said that you like hold back in therapy? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, I guess because I haven't been doing therapy for that long, like consistently for like a year and then over the years I'd like start and stop and stuff. But I feel like I'm still a little bit in that place where I'm like self-aware and where like maybe I don't like fully trust my therapist yet you know what I mean like even though it's been like a year with the same person or a little over a year with the same person now yeah but I know that like I went into her office a couple of times and she was like you know I I always encourage um my patients to like lie down you know Mm. Um, one of those yeah and I was like I don't want to do that and then I didn't even and she was like you do you want to try it and I was like no and then um the other day I was thinking about it and I was like, why was I like, why am I so resistant to that? Like, what am I afraid of? You know what I mean? And I kind of realized like, oh, I think I don't trust her fully. And then, yeah, the crying, I, yeah, I always hold back because I'm like so self-aware of like, oh my God, I have to have, I have to like do all these things afterwards and mm. I can't, you know what I mean? Up your makeup or something? No, like I or can't like mess up my day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that was like. That was my internalized misogyny. I was like, you, you got to look pretty after, Lucy. <laughs> well, I, I have had sessions where I was like, I can't cry because I have an aud- I have to like film an audition after this. You know what right. I mean? And, like, and you can't be like, your eyes can't be swollen. 
Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. Hmm. But the other day I had a session where like my day was pretty much over afterwards. I was like, fuck, I feel like I want to like lie down and sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. I get that yeah. a lot. So, it, yeah. so in these sessions where you don't cry, do you find yourself going home and then crying later or like, or no? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I think that there's like, so for me, I, because I haven't been doing therapy for that long and because I, um, am one of those people that like is always like fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I'm just like starting to be like, oh, it's okay. I'm not like weak and a a loser and a failure. If (laughs) you know, like I'm just like crying, uh, or sad about stuff that I'm working through so um so yeah I think lately more than before but I used to I remember the first time I ever went to therapy I was like this sucks like how am I supposed to go on with my day I can't afford to do this I have shit to do Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like I was yeah, mad yeah. I was like what the fuck was that I'm upset now I don't feel good at all I'm not doing this again so yeah but yeah. but yeah, hearing you say that, you were like, oh, I just had an intense session. I cried so much. Like the first thought in my mind was like, oh, that's that's amazing, you know, that yeah. you could do that. Well, I have been doing therapy for years now and I come from the same sort of, I think, emotional background makeup that you do where I was like raised to really feel that being emotional and emoting is a sign of weakness. Hmm. And it's taken me years to like process past that and um you know for me um I don't know if if you feel like this but like because I was taught that that I there was no space for my emotions it it made me really like resentful of people that like took up space with their emotions Hmm, and so I think that was yeah that was like one of the leading reasons why I made a conscious effort to to Hmm. really make room for my emotions and emote when I want to because I feel like Mm. if I don't give myself that space I end up being like those people that will like see a woman crying at a wedding and being like please what an attention whore do you know what (laughs) I mean like that sort of like and so I I didn't want to be such a fucking hater so I was like okay if I am sad I'm gonna cry Mm -hmm. it's okay if I feel embarrassed like I had to like really fight this feeling of being very embarrassed by it mm. for years I think it's funny because I I grew up in a family of like performers and artists and being emotional was always like okay like my dad always used to oh. cry but but what's funny and what I've I learned is because the people in my family were such big characters yeah their um, being emotional was okay but it was like they took up all the emotional space with their oh, huge emotions like my dad would start yelling and and yeah. and flip out about something and then you know he'd be really sorry and apologize and laugh and everything would be fine and everybody would be screaming at each other and then like yeah. 10 minutes later everybody was okay so it made me i think like really just like I was emotional, mm. but I never understood what it was, mm. you know, where things were coming from. And I never allowed myself to take up any space because the the easiest thing to do in that constellation with like my sister took up so much space. My mom, my dad was just to be like always kind of OK with everything. And it's funny yeah, because yeah. it 
it it turned me into this person where like, even if someone's like, what do you want to eat tonight? I always kind of am the person that goes like, oh, whatever you want is fine. Like I'm, you know, like I'm like this, like I always like try to keep the peace, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and so, so in a way, like we ended up in the same place, I guess, like with not feeling that there was space for our emotions, but the way I grew up wasn't necessarily that anybody told me it was weak to be emotional, Mm -hmm. but I think I felt like I had to keep it together because nobody else was keeping it together. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's kind of the role I took on too. I'm like the most responsible person in my family in quotes, yeah, but I'm yeah, like, yeah. not, <laughs> I'm like, this is not fair. I'm so not responsible either. And I'm like a mess too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. No, I, I feel like that's actually my background as well, except my parents had big emotions like yours and my sister mm. had big emotions, but my mom would, because I did take on that role. And I think this is where the, re- for me, the resentment, comes in is my mom because she was like well you're the one that keeps it together and we're Mm -hmm. all gonna emote yeah so if I ever started being emotional she'd be like oh look at you like you're a Mm. fucking you're weak you're like Mm -hmm. and then so she would make fun of me Mm, and so she sort of like bullied me into that role whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like you it was like for you like your own choice like your your family allowed you to do whatever but you were just like I need to do this for myself Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't think I was, I wouldn't say I was bullied, but I think that, yeah, there was no space for that. And I think like people just kind of like forgot that I also maybe needed things or would, you know, that because I always seemed like I was fine. And because I don't know if that's the same for you too, that you were always like entertaining people and funny, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like, that that's why a lot of stuff that Robin Williams said like resonates so deeply with me like check on your happy friends you know the people that are always like keeping everybody entertained and happy and making everybody laugh like people forget to be like hey are you okay they think that like in German there's a saying the sun shines out of your asshole (laughs) Mm. speaking of of buttholes um you you mean it means like a person for whom like everything's fine everything goes great for them the sun shines Mm -hmm. out of their asshole Mm -hmm. um and and people always treated me like that like outside of my family too and um and I remember this guy saying to me in Edinburgh when I first did the festival in Edinburgh he was like you know yeah you're really funny and stuff but the problem is when you're on stage People look at you and they are like, well, what's her problem? She doesn't have Mm. any problems. She's fine. She seems fine. Yeah, she seems fine. She's thin. She's that, you know, whatever. Like, she doesn't have any issues. She's skinny. (laughs) Kill her. (laughs) I, yesterday, she looks hot. Yeah. Exactly. Yesterday, I went and got um, a manicure with my sister, which I fucked up today. First manicure in like a year and a half, whatever. Yeah. Um, and the lady was like, oh, you're so skinny. The mm. lady doing my manicure. And I was like, you're skinny too. And she was like, no, I'm fat. I'm fat. And I was like, no, you're not. And she was like, I love, I love to eat. And I was like, me too. I love to eat too. And then my sister said to me in German, she goes, you know, that's a really mean thing to do to say to someone who's not skinny that you love to eat when you're so skinny. And... Like Mm. you can eat whatever you want 
and they can't. And I was like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? You know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that, that that's, and my sister has a lot of, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of issues there that took up like most of the room in my family growing oh, up. That's so um, interesting. We have such similar families. So. My sister is also like that. And she, to this day, I have a, I, cause I was like falling into the caretaker role. Right. Mm. And so now I'm exhausted by them. Oh my so God. As an adult, I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And their reaction. Cause I will, I like will no longer put up with it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be their emotional caretaker anymore. So yeah. now when I see them, I'm like, no, like, stop. Don't do like I draw boundaries. And then they're like, wow, young me's such a fucking bitch now. Yeah, she used to be of course. Cool, but now she's a bitch. And I'm like, no, I'm just like not letting you take advantage of me like I used to. Yeah, you know? that's exactly yeah. what happens when you start putting up boundaries. They're like shocked and yeah. they think, you know, they think that um, you're harsh or cruel or, yeah. you know, like. Uh, I've, yeah, I've gotten that a lot, especially from my sister, but also, Mm. also, you know, in, in bits with my parents and, and yeah, it's funny. Like I'm the only person in my family who's a citizen, uh, Mm -hmm. like a U.S. citizen, although we came here in 92 and everybody's like, oh my God, so amazing that you did that. And you know, it's like things like that where it's like, yeah, I I had to do it on my own and you guys could have all done it too. And now you know, and yeah, it's little things like that. And it's like this, this role of you're the responsible one. We gave you this role. And it's like, I don't want this. This is, I'm not, I need help too, you know? But yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and I so know what you mean when you say you're exhausted. That's exactly like where, where I'm at and what I'm like unpacking more and more and more now, like how exhausted I am by this like constant, emotional like vamp vampirism vampires what's a group what do you call a group of vampires i don't know i don't know but it sounds like a setup to a joke yeah Um, right (laughs) what do you call call a group group of vampires capitalists yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's so interesting that we have like a similar um thing but for me, the therapy thing for me, I think the re- like I have a very good therapist and I think we're a really good match because even today I wanted to actually I'm going to tell you about what I talked about in therapy because I want to share. Obviously, that's what we do on this podcast. Um, mm. Talk about sad stuff. But um, I what was I saying, oh, I have a good relationship with my therapist because even today I brought up something and I was like, I'm not going to cry about this because I've already thought about this for years. Mm. I already know what's going on with this. So I don't need to cry. And I feel like my therapist, she's just so good at, she like really understands what's going on. Sometimes she'll say stuff and like my brain like won't absorb it because it's like too painful. Mm. And then I'll just like sit there like quietly and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, ah! like, you know, <laughs> like, like my brain will not, I can't intellectually process what she says, but it hits mm. me and I like go blank and then it just like mm-hmm. s- it's like very it's fascinating i find it mm. really interesting yeah so uh, this is my sad story and then we're gonna laugh about it i guess and then you know obviously you're free to tell yours but so my th- i haven't talked to my therapist about this in a long time i had some interests oh this per- this person's probably gonna listen to this podcast but like some there i had some interest from somebody about writing a book like mm. like sort of like a book of 
a memoir a book of essays that's mm-hmm. kind of like a mm-hmm. a book of essays i guess is more of an accurate way to describe it more than a memoir but it's like about my life or whatever and so i was like actively trying to write for weeks now for like two weeks like every day right and just mm-hmm. being like even if it's like 10 minutes a day i'm gonna have to try to get into this practice you know if i'm if i if i am gonna write a book so yeah. i was trying to do this for two weeks and i like fucking could not do it like i just like mm. i would have like anxiety i would s- i would be like okay tomorrow i have like seven hours i have one thing so i have seven hours to write and i would just like sit there just like panicking trying to meditate trying to like get to the computer and I just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it and so then I downloaded an app where I could just like dictate and it would you know transcribe it but yeah I had this like something stopping me right and I was like I Mm -hmm. know this is fucking mental and so I have to talk to my therapist about it and we've talked about it in the past like here or there like if I like my big dream you know like my end goal as a comedian is like writing a show or writing a book Mm -hmm. you know like some sort of like thing where it's a real thing instead of just like little performance and every time I try to do it I like stop dead in my tracks I just can't do it and Mm. so I told her and and she was like oh like what do you think that I was like I just have so much anxiety about sitting down and Mm. writing and she was like what do you think it's from and I was like I know exactly what what it's from because like when I was a kid I was a really really good writer I was like when I was young it was like my thing you know like some mm-hmm. kids are like really good at whatever mm-hmm. piano or basketball yeah and like every writing class I had starting from when I was very young I was like just crushing whatever vocabulary class spelling mm. bees like I just had like a very I think I have like this sort of natural knack for understanding language Mm -hmm. and and then like as I got older it got like more and more um you know it progressed more and more where like I would just test like extremely high in not that you know tests matter but I'm just trying to give you like a solid yeah of course like Uh marker Mm -hmm. of like what it meant for me as a child right Mm -hmm. and I would always just be like crushing all these tests I was like Um, and then I would love reading and I like every class like literature class like I would be able to like decipher stories and the teacher's like oh yeah that's exactly what this means or whatever right and so it was like I was very confident in my ability to write and you know I loved reading whatever and then in high school as a teenager I started looking like a quote unquote attractive you know Mm -hmm, and I feel like that's mm -hmm. when all the bad shit in my life started happening and I think I touched on this a little bit on this podcast. Like I, I'm sure you know this and everyone that like was socialized, like as a female child knows this, but you know, the day you hit fucking puberty when you're 11 or 12, there's some fucking 55 year old man breathing down your neck Mm -hmm. everywhere you go, Mm -hmm. you know, the supermarket, whatever. Right. Um, and so I, I felt this like turn like the shift of society like this like animosity towards Mm. me as like a young attractive girl and this like sort Mm -hmm. of like idea that people had that i'm a fucking dumbass you know because i wore makeup Mm -hmm. and i wore like crop tops that you know yeah yeah definitely so i definitely absorbed that feeling from people and then i switched schools around the time i was 15 and 
my like writing class I, I don't know like writing comp whatever the fuck those classes are called in high school I mm. the the first paper I turned in the teacher like called me in the office and he was like you plagiarized this and I was like <gasps> I didn't I wrote it and he was like there's no fucking way meaning you're a fucking wow. dumb slut and you're wearing pink eyeliner and there's no fucking way a dumbass bitch like you wrote this you're gonna fail wow and so he failed me <gasps> wow and that actually happened twice with two different teachers but at that point my life was so fucking out of whack um probably f for a lot of reasons that we were actually talking about just now like my family and just emotionally i was a wreck my family was just like fucking in shambles you know all this fucked up shit that i was going through in my childhood was like rearing its head in my behavior you know i was like drinking doing drugs whatever being a teenager mm -hmm. and then this shit was happening in school and it was like the last it was like my thing my fucking thing was like taken mm. away from me you know mm. like i'm a fucking writer but it was like basically mm. like the world being like maybe you are a good writer but if you're a slutty bitch stupid bitch mm. that i want to have sex with even though i'm a 55 year old man then no you're not you're not a fucking writer mm. you must be stupid and mm. like around the same time i basically like stopped going to school because my all my family issues i tried to run away and it was like all this like all this shit happened and then i, I we moved the family moved and we i barely finished high school and then after that it was like my life was just like out of control like i was you know like whatever like working in a restaurant you know i never went to college i was like mm drinking and doing a shit ton of drugs and not not that it was like caused by this one fucking incident of this man telling me mm. that i was a liar but mm. it, it all that shit happened around the same time my life was just out of control um and then i was terror like because of that i was terrified of like writing ever again mm. and it, it was like it wasn't just again it wasn't just that one man but it was just compounded all these forces mm -hmm. around me felt like they were like conspiring against me right and so i just mm. i was like well i can't have i can't like be who i am you know so mm. yeah. i'm just like a broken fucking lost person and <laughs> oh so no sad. and like the one thing oh no i'm gonna cry you know, too. like the one thing that i fucking like all of the, the parts of my identity that i love about myself like the world wouldn't let me have that you know mm. yeah and so i stopped writing and i remember like all this i would do all this weird stuff i'm like a fucking nerd so i was like i had this thing in my early 20s where i i was like i had this like uh rebellion where i was like i'm not gonna use big words because if i use big words that's like that's like only assholes do that so i purposefully mm. would not use big words like this is so nerdy and shit um and it was just like i just kind of like went into hiding like i just hid that part mm. of myself and i literally never mm. fucking wrote again and i'm fucking 37 mm. you know it's been like over mm. 20 years wow. and so i guess in therapy the sad thing that i like i had this huge realization and i kept telling my therapist i was like i feel like i see um like i see myself locked in a room and it's like mm -hmm. and i was like i just can't mm. fucking get myself to write i just fucking can't do it and she was like and I was like, but the weird thing is all I want to do is write. That's all I've ever wanted mm -hmm. to do, right? And I kept telling her, like, I see this, like, visual 
of like mm-hmm. me like sitting in a room and there's somebody like in front of that fucking room and they won't like let me mm. into this room you know and so like this was this whole um that like this is this what i talked about in therapy and then i came to the realization that even though i knew that that had happened to me i never really gave myself time to like process it and feel angry about it right. and feel sad about it yeah like i was literally like stopped in my tracks by all these like people that were supposed to be helping me do you know what i mean i was harmed mm. by all these adults yeah. in my life and you know it's like who knows what would have happened if that didn't happen you know like yeah it's yeah. really sad and it's almost like you were told that it's easier to go through life if you're if you like dial down yes a bit mm-hmm. you know you dial down your intelligence and your potential and yeah. and you do what you know they the, you are what they want you to be you know and i think as as like a female um it you know like you said as soon as you hit puberty that starts to happen and you're like experimenting with yourself and and there is also in the beginning maybe like an excitement to like the like power you feel absolutely yeah you know and and it's all so like you're like kind of experimenting with it and and you're like whoa what is this and and you don't know what that stuff is you know (laughs) and I think it's like it's such a like fragile time and especially for for you know these like um talents and creative like like this love you have for something and and then and and it is like small moments like that that you know because you were like it wasn't this one man but in a way it's like this like domino that was like kicked and then like knocked over all the other ones you know yeah and I totally understand it's so funny because a lot of what you're I mean it's not funny but it's weird because I um I it, like a lot of this resonates with myself as well like I used to write I used to sit on I grew up in New York I used to sit on stoops and just write in a notebook mm-hmm. and write all the time and I'd always get like the best grades on all my stories I'd write all these short stories and then for me, it was like around 17, 18. And then I just stopped writing. And, um, and, and I've written since then, but I've been trying to write a book mm. <laughs> for like years. And I've talked to my therapist about it. And I know exactly what you mean. This like feeling of like, I want to do this and I can't get there. Yeah. And I, and something is stopping you gotta me. You got to cry in that, therapy, like, Lucy. You got to cry. Because <laughs> yeah, now, let me tell yeah. you, after that session, I wrote yeah. a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and what? But what <laughs> helps kidding. me also is yeah. like is or what's been helping me is like I try to like say like okay because I think that sometimes what we do to ourselves as well is that we take that on as an identity mm-hmm. and it's like scary mm. to break like. I'm the person who just can't write anymore. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's almost like it's the like more, more, although it's so painful and awful, it's almost the more comfortable place to be than to be yeah. like, wait, I can change this. I can open that door. I can make that. You know what I mean? Like yes. I can fucking, it's your identity. I can do this. Like, yeah, it becomes your identity. And it's so clear always to see it in other people. And then you know um yeah and then also for yourself yeah, yeah. but yeah it's sorry 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, also, I was going to say about that, what you said, like the safety thing. Also, the truth is, if I'm sticking to this thing, like this mean old man yelled at me and failed me, and I used to be great, then I don't have to write anything. And then nobody will know. Right. If I'm good or not. Exactly. Like, I'm just like, I'm a great writer, but I'm just not going to do it. And then I can just stick. (laughs) Right. I can just hide behind that. And and I don't know if you have this too, but then it almost becomes your identity to be like, I'm working on a book. Yeah. See, I'm and, I'm but not going like, to do that, Lucy. I'm telling you, I cried in therapy <laughs> and I'm making steps. You heard it here first. I'm fucking writing this book. I no believe more. you. I think, yeah, I, I 100%. I think that, and, and you know what's so funny? What? Without like oversimplifying anything or being ignorant, yeah. sometimes I think it's as easy as that. My dad's a writer, right? Yeah. And, and like he came, came from such a poor background. And so his whole mental makeup is totally different. You know, like he like wrote to survive Mm. and like, that's, he's like, he has to do it. And, but he said to me, he keep, you know, he's been saying to me for years, write, write your book, write your book, write your book. And then he said to me recently, he was like, you know, you got to write your book. And I said, I know dad, I know I'm, I'm trying stuff. And he goes, Lucy, do you know how you write a book? You want me to tell you how to, how to write a book? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, tell me how to write a book. <laughs> and then he goes, you write a book. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and he's like, you write every day. And it doesn't matter if it's two sentences or three pages or two words. Yeah. You do it every day. And sometimes with some things, I think it is as simple as that. It is as simple as going what you just did. Like, no. I'm not going to be that person. I am going to write my book instead of being like, you know, I need, you know, two more years to yeah. work through this. Well, for, yeah, you know? that I, I totally know what you mean. But for me, I think that if I didn't process and give myself time to grieve that, like, right, all that trauma that I went through, I could have just written my book. I could have just written every day and, and written an entire book in this state but it would have been fucking torture. Whereas in right now I'm right. in this, right. I'm in this mindset where I just like, I feel like the door has been blown open and I'm like, okay, right. you know what? Right. That happened. It sucked. It was sad. Who gives a shit? I'm, I'm, I processed it. Now I can yeah. like, now it's flowing easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's yeah. So hard. Yeah. No. And yeah. I, I think that is important. It is important to like go back and dig up and be like, why, what was, what was the thing or what is the thing that symbolizes mm-hmm. that, that that change in me you know even like you said it might not have been just that moment with him but at least that's what like encompasses that Mm -hmm. block yeah yeah that that like you know happened inside you and to identify that I think is like really important I'm learning that like so and it's like a recent thing for me that I'm learning with therapy and with remembering these stories because You know, when I wrote my first solo show, Mm -hmm. which was all about my family and growing up, I wrote all these like um, stories down and like, you know, talked about how my dad would would drink so much and get wasted and then would be like crying and screaming at night. And my mom would come and wake me up because I was the only person that could calm him down and get him to go to bed. And I was like nine years old and she'd wake me up. And I, but I, I wrote about it and put it in the show and I thought it was funny, right? (laughs) 
really. And like I, and then I remember after one performance, and I had like opera music playing, and I'd like play him on the ground, going like, oh, "Nobody loves me," and I'd go, "No, Papa, everybody loves you. Let's go to bed," and you know, like wow. jump uh, like back and forth between characters with opera music playing, and like, and then after one show, these people came up to me and they were like, "Uh, yeah, we really loved the show, but we didn't think it was funny at all." And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh and they go, um, yeah, we're like child uh, development psychologists. And there was like so many red flags for us. And we hope you're OK. And I was like, huh? I honestly like. That is so funny. I, I think that story yeah. is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that story is funny. And then I was like, oh, people think this stuff is sad. And then I started to think about it and be like, oh, yeah. That stuff is sad. Like that stuff was traumatic. And that's like yeah. I need to I need to allow myself. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yep, that doesn't yep. mean it can't be like funny. you said, like it, it can doesn't, still be funny, but you yeah, have to process the sad part too. Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it doesn't mean I'm broken and fucked up. No. Or it doesn't mean I'm like saying my parents are horrible people or I had a horrible childhood or yeah. like it doesn't mean any of those things. I think you that, know, I think the concept of like when when because I do this a lot, too, when I'm talking about something sad and I'm like, it's funny. And people are like, no, it's right. not. It's very sad. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Yeah. That's like literally my entire humor. I feel like. <laughs> Oh, wait, but I want to also say, like, kind of on the vein of what you were saying and about the therapy thing, this is the thing, and I and I really want to emphasize this in case someone's listening. This is, okay, and maybe this is, like, how you were feeling, Lucy, when you were talking about you thought, like, therapy was stupid. When I first started therapy, I was like, this is kind of stupid because I already know everything, right? And the, right, truth, totally. the truth was, like, the story, like, the teacher that said I was plagiarizing intellectually I know that that's what happened and I understand Mm. that that's like kind of what's stopping me right Mm. but I under understanding something intellectually and processing something emotionally is completely different because I was sitting there like I can't write because I feel like shit about it because this one fucking terrible teacher I had I know that Mm. but like today what I understood was that I have to fucking cry about that. I have to be fucking mm-hmm. angry that throughout my 20s, like that domino, like you called it, caused me mm. to be addicted to cocaine four years later. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I have to like yeah. sit there and process that emotionally. It's not enough that you intellectually understand what happened. And I think that's like yeah. what therapy is for me. And I'm, I'm understanding that now. Yeah, no, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And and um and I think it's different to cry about it alone too, yeah. you know, and to cry about it in a setting where then somebody can like, you know, also ask you questions or yeah. or make you feel, you know, like it was really amazing because the other day in therapy when I was talking about my sister my therapist was like you know like you said that dealing with that all the time is really exhausting yeah and it just kind of like it was like such a relief to hear somebody say like yes allow that for me somebody else seeing it yeah yeah it's huge right because because right. no one else Without, saw it. Like, no one else in your family is seeing it. 
or exactly. No it. one else in the family is seeing it. And then friends or like a boyfriend or a partner or whatever, of course, because they're, they love you, they want to fix things all the mm. time. And they always want to say things to make it better. it better when so many times when something's painful, the like the thing that really is helpful is for someone just to go, yeah, this is really, really hard yep, and painful. And acknowledge it. And I don't have anything. Yeah to make it better except that like you can like like have that here you know without yeah. me going you should do this no, and no. you yeah. shouldn't do this and you should cut off contact or like you know well a lot of so, the, uh, I, yeah. I what i noticed recently like what you were saying about friends and people that care about you unfortunately a lot of that when they try to fix it it comes it ends up being uh gaslighting where they'll be like, it wasn't that bad. Or everybody went through that. Like, you don't have to feel bad. And then it's like, you don't, you don't have to, like, make me doubt my reality. All you have to do is tell me that the reality that I experience is real. And I need to hear somebody mm-hmm. just say, yes, what yeah. you went through is real. And it was hard. And that's, that's all you have to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that a lot of the times that that comes from a place that most people... And I, I, I try to be really aware of myself if I ever do this. Like most people make whatever you're telling them about them. Mm, yeah. Or, or they want to be, or, it's like they want to be helpful. It's like not necessarily a bad right, thing. Exactly. Like, I want to help. But that's about you. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they feel confused and helpless mm-hmm. by what you're telling them. And then they're trying to like you're giving them something and then they're going, yeah. You know, yeah. here, fucking go to the gym. You know what I mean? And you're like, what? No, I'm telling you about gym. trauma. I don't need to go to the gym. <laughs> or like, it's not that bad. Or like, everybody has problems. Yeah, or yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but so, yeah. And and that's and that's what's great about therapy, right? That like you don't. It's not about like, oh, I'm not allowed to be friends with this person, or they're not allowed to care about me. But but they come from a a place where they're just supposed to let you you know work through it yourself and they're there to help yeah. you they're not there to fix you no. you know so i guess that's the that's the best kind of or therapist but um and but person. yeah i think that's good advice for a day-to-day person life. yeah so, you know when i first had my son i read this parenting book and it basically just said that and it was the big it was the best advice i'd ever gotten and it's really changed mm. my life and how I interact with everybody. Because in the book, mm. um, it, the book is called How to Talk So Children Will Listen and How to Listen So Children Will Talk. And mm. all it, literally all it says is like, hey, when, they, when a child expresses an emotion, just acknowledge it and make room for it. Right. Because a lot of parents, right. you know, will say like, oh, you know, you see a lot of parents when a kid falls down and they're crying they're like Mm. you're okay you're okay you're okay Mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to say you're okay you're supposed to be like okay you fell down and you're in a lot of pain and i can see you're in a lot of pain and and like if you say that to a child it completely changes their reaction Mm. i think because like if you Mm. say you're okay and they're and they're like in a lot of pain it's like they feel gaslit they feel like their reality is being questioned you know of course, yeah, yeah. of course, absolutely. And I think, you know, I don't, it's not about any gender, but I think that like for women or, or girls, that's a huge, huge, huge problem for me, at least 
the older I get, the more I realize like how big of a problem that was for me that affected everything. Like the fact that I always was as a, as a, as a girl, like it's always like, well, no, this, you know, like I used to wear crop tops too and short skirts and the principal would call me into the office and say, you're distracting the boys. And you're the reason, you know, and so that's like little things that, burrow themselves into your brain where then that spills out over to everything where you Mm -hmm. constantly feel like it's you and Mm -hmm. then that leads to you not being able to trust your feeling like you can't trust your feelings right and feeling like oh what I'm feeling is wrong or Mm -hmm. like or it's because I'm you know stupid or I'm this or I'm that so I think I think, yeah, that's a huge thing. I I just heard this thing um, about how like everything that babies and toddlers do is like a little science experiment. So like when they're like sitting at a little high table, Mm -hmm. like dropping food on the floor Mm -hmm. and you're like, don't do that. And you pick it up and they do it over and over and over again. They're actually like learning how gravity works. And I thought that was so cool too, because a lot of people are like annoyed with kids, you know, and they're like, and that's like a, like, Maybe it's, that's a little stretch, but that's like a form of gaslighting in a way too. It's like, oh, you're doing this to annoy me yeah, yeah. without actually trying to understand what they're trying to do, you but know? Yeah, there's so, an overwhelming yeah. message from society to small children that everything that they're doing is wrong and there's no room for it right. or something. And, you know, right. I know that I know your feeling of like using words like gaslighting because they feel so strong. But like if right. you if you get to the root of what that behavior is, uh, that's the textbook definition. You're just trying to alter someone's reality and it's not true. So, and and that's all that means. You know what I mean? It's not like we're like manipulative bitches. We're like, I'm gaslighting (laughs) you. Like I'm gaslighting my two year old. Like, um, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you're like breathing fire. But people do gaslight their children a lot. Like even like what you said and like, um, and I, I feel like a lot of children, yeah, it starts really young and then they're like not confident mm-hmm. and like, it, it, it's so interesting. It's like, how is a two year old supposed to figure out gravity? Or I guess when they're, I right. guess they do it when they're way younger, like six months old or something. But like, how do you expect this infant to figure out gravity? Yeah. Like, you think we just know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, well, that was a great conversation. Do you want to share a story or do you want to like, I, oh, you did kind of share a story already about your dad and stuff, but do you have like a specific story that you wanted to talk about today? Well, I mean, this whole conversation for one of the, the moments in my life that I think, you know, I always think back on and especially when it comes to this like gaslighting and not trusting yourself mm-hmm was it's basic it's basically a story of like sexual assault right when I was 12 and it's it it, it's so it was so shocking to me because um this thing and I'll, I'll tell you in a second exactly what happened but this thing happened and then in 2019 mm. I had a situation that was also kind of a story of sexual assault that you know I was like pinned down by this guy and he wouldn't let me leave his house mm. and, and mm. he didn't, he didn't rape me or anything like that, but it was really traumatic. And, and, um, I like went to the cops and, um, and I told my parents about that 
And then I said, you know, remember what happened to me when I was 12 in Italy? And I was like, that was like, wasn't that sexual assault? And my mom was like, yeah, of course that was sexual assault. And I was like, what? Like, we never talked about that again. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that was so shocking for me in such a like, so I was 12. We were, we were in Italy and um, on this island called Sard- Sardinia. And I was there with my friend, my best friend. And um, we, you know, were just starting to explore like the sexuality and being like cute and attractive yeah. and wearing little skirts and walking around and, and kind of, you know, excited at the attention we were getting, I guess. And she was like this, like really beautiful girl. And, and, um, we met these two Italian guys. One of them was called Elvis and, um, they would kind of like always show up on their little scooters and stuff. And, you know, now as an adult thinking back, I know that they were like on drugs and stuff, but I didn't realize that back then. How old are they? And approximately. Yeah, that's another thing. So he apparently was 19 and he told us he was 17. I was 12. I, I already don't trust him because his name is Elvis, but continue. Please. Yeah, exactly. And then we were sitting on this little square and my parents were like sitting at a table further away. And then they came by one evening and they were like, oh, come and take a walk with us. And so we left and we didn't tell my parents and we went to this playground and we like climbed over the wall. And then he just like put his hands in my pants and just like basically like sexually assaulted me, like, like fingered me. Right. And I'd never experienced that. I was 12. I just like kissed a boy once. And I was, I was like, the whole time I was like thinking like, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is right. But I'm, but it's probably me. Like, I'm probably just like so stupid or I'm probably just like so uptight. Like I need to be more open-minded, you know? Like, well, my skirt was Um, too short. So, cause that's what I've been told my entire life. It can't possibly be that this adult man is assaulting me. Right. And, and also that's the next thing. Like, I didn't really, I don't think like I really knew what like assault was like Mm -hmm. maybe rape, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was so, and it was so weird and I felt so like weird. And then I, and then like all of a sudden we like climbed back over the wall and we like, um, walked more and then he did it again Ooh. and I was like oh I feel so weird I don't know I oh, but I, I think I'm supposed to be like cool with this and then finally my parents found us and they were freaking out they'd been looking for us and we went back to the house and they were yelling at us and stuff and then I um the next morning like saw that there was like blood in my underwear mm. and um and I told my friend and she was like, oh, wouldn't it have been funny if he left money in your underwear too? And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, I feel really fucked up and I don't feel okay. And then I mm. was like, I have to tell my parents about this. And she's like, you can't tell your parents. You can't tell your parents. And I was like, no, I have to. So I went and told my dad about wow. it. And I like started crying and my dad started crying 
and oh god then dad, like really no offense dad but can you <laughs> yeah, please no, make but some yeah. room no, for my right. crying dad for once not make you're this right, about you're yourself right. okay and then what happened yeah you are right no you're right you're right and then um and then i just remember that like i was just fighting with my parents for the whole rest of the trip like I would scream at them for no reason and I was obviously like and I was like 12 I was 12 I was so young you know Mm. and then we never spoke about it again so did like we never ever spoke about it again and so then when this happened in 2019 with this guy in Edinburgh and I asked my parents about it my mom was like, yeah, we went to the police and they told us that they wouldn't do anything. (gasps) And that, and then a guy came by and said, you know, that guy is a really bad guy and he takes drugs and he's like known to be a bad guy. And then he like tried to come by the house once and we chased him away. And, and I was like, I didn't, and this is like, I'm 39. So this is, and, and the thing in Edinburgh happened two years ago. So this was like 25 years later. And I never n- talked to my parents. And we didn't really talk it through that day either. And I think that like, you know, a lot of, of what happened in 2019 also in that moment when I was at that guy's house and I was like, I'm going to go. And he was like, no, you're not. Mm. I just like completely froze. And I think like I, I, I completely went back into the same sort of mindset as when I was 12. And that Mm. happened where I was like, this is, I'm doing something wrong. Why? Like, this is my fault. Why did I come here? I should be more open-minded. This is not weird. I'm weird. Mm-hmm. He's not being inappropriate. I'm the one that's weird. Mm-hmm. I should be handling this better. And and yeah, I like comp- I went into the like complete exact frame of mind and then he like when he was pinning me down, I had this like out of body experience which I never had. Wow. Um where I like saw everything around me. And kind of was like looking down on myself going, Mm. oh my God, this is how like that's, that actually happens. Like, this is what happens. Like Mm. somebody's way stronger than you and you can't get away. Um, And in your mind, were you, were you thinking that you were about to get raped? Yeah. 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 That was, that's, that was the like huge, huge, um, like I think trauma for that like took a really long time like to even be able to talk about it like this without like completely breaking down crying took like you know a good two years I can't Mm. imagine you know somebody who actually goes through like rape what what that's like but but it was a total like fight or flight response like I completely went into like I thought like okay now that's gonna happen and I can't Mm -hmm. do anything and I like I remember looking at like all the things around me, like the window above me and like seeing these little details and thinking like, how can I get out? And then seeing myself like from above and going, wow, this is how it happens. Like, Mm. you know, Um, and then just being frozen, 
just like completely frozen and thinking like that it's all my fault. And then finally I started like being able to think about like, how do I get out of here? So I, I, because I kept saying, I want to go and he kept saying no, Mm -hmm. and you're not going anywhere and, and stuff. And then I finally said like, will you walk me home? And that was like the only way, cause I was like, the only way I'm going to get out of this apartment is if I take him with me. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to let me leave by myself. So finally, and he was like touching me and like, you know, and finally I got him. But like, I was like joking the whole time, of course. And I never said like, get the fuck off me. Like, fuck you. Like, you know, and I, it, Another part of this, which was so interesting and which I think ties into this like mm-hmm. like years and years and years of like gaslighting and that experience was like this like shock at like that I was like, unc- like now this is making me cry. Like that like I was like a completely different person than I thought mm. I was. You know what I mean? Like this like tough person that like would, you know, like if I hear that story, I'd be like, what? I would have told him to go fuck himself and punch him in his fucking balls. You know, like I grew up in New York. I would have told him to fucking like, I would have kicked him in the face, you know? And it was like, I was like the opposite of that. I was like completely quiet, completely frozen, like, like completely like trying to like placate him and like be like as friendly as possible to him, you know? And, um, and it, and, and then when I went to the police about it, that was like another, (laughs) another trauma, of course, because you have to tell people that story and they're judging you and they're going, so you let him, Mm -hmm. uh, like touch you a second time or like, or because then like at some point he was like, I was like can you walk me home? And then I got up finally, was able to get up. And then he was like, oh, one more kiss. And then I let him kiss me, you know? And and it's like, yeah, yeah, I let him do that. Yeah. And they were like, huh, you know? And they're writing it down. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, um, on the video of you guys walking home, like, he puts his arm around you and you don't push him away. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I was like scared of this guy. Yeah. And, and that I think is like, and that's like, that's what I think is like about gaslighting and experiences like that. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of like take a piece of you away where like you thought you were some kind of person Mm -hmm. and they just like take that away from you. You know, and that's why, like, with the whole Me Too movement, my first thought was, like, I hope that this, like, for me, I I always, like, hope that the people that really take this in are, like, young people, mm-hmm. like, young girls and young boys and, like, learn from it. Like, if you think something's wrong and if it doesn't feel right and if you don't want it, like, it's wrong, you know? And, um, and so that story like brought up all of that stuff that happened when I was 12 and I was so, it was like so much to work through and so, and, and it made me realize like how 
dangerous, the like gaslighting and the, the way that especially females, but I don't want to exclude boys either because, you know, they're, they're harmed so much as well and growing up and having to be tough and whatever, you know? Yeah. They go through the Um, same exact thing where they're supposed to minimize their emotions except for anger. Right. So boys are allowed one thing, which is anger and violence. Everything else, they're right, like, Shh, right. you're crying. You're, you don't want to be weak. They go through the same exact thing. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that, well, I, I just want to say that I think you're so on point with the whole, like, being very introspective and seeing how all these things that happened in your life led to those the reaction that you had in those moments right like when you were 12 and being like well i did something wrong because it's like from day one we're we're teaching children that you know you're you're dressed inappropriately you're like you're crying because you fell down and now you're bothering all the adults who are trying to have dinner right and you're a burden and your emotions are wrong and they're too big and why are you even upset that wasn't anything and so right. that when trauma like that happens, you're like, oh, oh, no, like, I don't want anyone to see this because I'm going to get in trouble for being hurt. Right. Because you get in trouble right. for being hurt in this society, you know. Right. And my mom said when I asked her, I was like, well, why didn't you why did we never talk about this? Yeah. Like you're sitting here going, yeah, of course it was sexual. So she's and she said, well, we thought that it would be better to not make not give you the feeling that this was a huge deal and let you move on. Mm. And, and I was like, but it was, it, it was a huge deal and it would have helped me. Like we were saying, mm. you know, earlier in therapy, just the therapist going, this is really hard and exhausting for you. Yeah. Like it would have helped me to some, for someone to go, what you just went through was fucked up. Yeah. And like, like, you need time mm-hmm. to it's not that you'll be fucked up forever and you're broken like we said earlier but it's yeah. like yeah to acknowledge that you it know? does tie in to what we were talking about where parents are like well i'm trying to because you know part of the thing you know like of what you said like people try to make minimize things for their comfort so maybe your mom was caring about you know, she didn't right. want you to think it was a big deal, but also it was probably for her too. Cause that's traumatizing to think I let Absolutely. my daughter get sexually assaulted or she didn't let it, but it right. happened under her watch. Right. And, totally. And like yeah. all people really, really, it's so, it's so bizarre. Cause it's so simple to just be like, yeah. all you have to do is say that happened. That really happened. Yeah. You, that was a horrible thing. And you, you feel bad. And just make room for that. And that could have been so right. life-changing for you, you know? Like, it's like... Yeah, it's like absolutely. A, it's like, I feel like for, for especially for women, because we go through a lot of sexual assault as children, you know, more yeah. so than men. But like you said, uh, obviously this happens to boys too. It's like, it's like this thing where you go and somebody, let's say somebody like shoots like shoots up your class or something right and then you turn around and your mom's like well nothing happened right it's like what do you mean nothing happened we're not gonna why aren't we addressing this and a lot of people are like well if we don't talk about it you'll feel better about it it's like what but 
then I'm yeah. sitting here being like, is my reality distorted? Are right. you not seeing right. what yeah, I'm seeing? Exactly. Can you just tell me that you saw exactly. what I saw? You know? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So interesting to hear. Not interesting, but like so heartbreaking to hear both of the police responses and that. But I think everybody that's listening to you right now that's gone through this, we all fucking know. That's been their right. fucking response because they're not trained for some reason no police are ever trained to deal with this and they're also statistically abusers so they're mm. already siding with your abuser because they're like well you're like a fucking right. whore you're a lying cheating whore you know yeah and i have to say like the police in edinburgh like the woman there it was a woman who dealt with the case at first and she was great and then they put then they took her off the case and put this guy on and he was all right he was trying, but it was kind of, I think he was like going through the motions, especially because I was American. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to like make sure that they check the boxes. So I don't, you know, kind of yeah. like, you know, also being a performer at the festival and stuff. So I don't, I don't know, write something about how the police in Scotland is, you know, misogynist or whatever. Um, but there was this sense of like, yeah, thanks for reporting this, but you know, it's not gonna like go. And, and the guy was, is like kind of a like semi well-known comedian over there. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, so there was that sense of like, yeah, we're doing this. Like, for example, they took all my clothes mm. that I was wearing that night and, um, and I wanted them back. And uh, they never gave them back to me, although they said they would. You know what I mean? Like, it mm -hmm. was like this treatment that was kind of like where you're like, can I just like, it's so unfair that yeah. like now like my, and it sounds so dumb, but it's like, I wanted my favorite pair of fucking jeans back. Mm -hmm. Like, why did I lose that too? Do you know what I mean? Like, it sounds, yeah. it's so trivial and dumb, it's but not. at the same time, like you attach stuff to things like that. And it's like. Like you, it's so, you feel so like, unf like it's so unfair. Like, why does that, why do I have to lose all this stuff? Like I lose a part of myself and I lose my fucking favorite pair of jeans, yeah. you know, and nobody cares, mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, I'm, yeah. well, I also just wanted to say that I think that, you know, what you described in your, when you were being assaulted was like very, I don't, I obviously I'm not a professional, but it sounds to me like very, like textbook PTSD, yeah. right? Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I remember like when you're in a traumatic situation, your brain like notes every little thing, you know, like it's like a survival fight or flight mechanism that kicks in, like where you're like, you're remembering everything. It's yeah. like burned into your brain. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's funny because even with that, I had to, I had this reaction where like a month later I was like, did I make this up? Like all of, of a sudden I started like gaslighting myself. Because everyone else around you is like, do, 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 right. do, do. Wait, do you mean in the, the 2019 incident? Yeah. Of course you did. Because you went to the cops yeah. and they're like, mm, I don't know. Right. Exactly. And the, and, and I wrote everything down wow. the next day though. I did do that. Oh, and, um, and so I went back and read it and I was like okay, I, I, I didn't make this up. And then there was a whole other level to like people, 
you know, saying things like, well, okay, but you didn't get raped. Well, I was going to, so, that's so fucked up. Also, I wanted to say, I feel like you said something during when you were telling the story where like you can't imagine what people who actually get raped go through. But I, I'm going to tell you that I think that that's like the trauma of being stuck and yeah. the possibility of being raped and is the same trauma. Obviously, you didn't go through the physical mechanism of that, but right. emotionally, that's the same fucking feeling the same feeling as you know like people who say well you know when you're a 12 you're fingered so that's not being raped but it's like right what like yeah what are you talking about it's the same fucking mental thing yeah yeah and it's interesting because the only reason why i ended up going to the cops or even i called a friend the next morning and i was like i feel really weird and and it was that same feeling as in Italy. Yeah. Like, I was like, I feel really weird. And she was like, why? And I told her what happened. And she was like, wow, Lucy, this is not okay. And I was like, and, and because I'm so used to always being okay. And because I always had that role in my family, I was like, it's fine. Like, I, I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm totally yeah. fine. And she was like, this is not okay. You're not fine. Like, you need to like fucking go to the cops. And I was like, I'm not going to go to the cops. And then I like, just like started crying for no reason. And then like, I had a panic attack thinking about him, like seeing him. And then I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I had to do shows every day. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to do my show. And then after the show, I started crying and like, I couldn't sleep. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm not, I'm not okay. Um, and, and I think, yeah, what you say is so that's a big thing too that like as you know we're taught like well if you didn't get you know actually raped or you didn't actually get you know whatever then suck it up this when you're right the trauma is very similar you know the same thing and it's the same behavior that somebody that would do something like that is also going to rape that's the same behavior. Right. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I ended up thinking that's why I was like, I have it's like to go somebody to the cops. that like I have somebody to. would that would do that would mm-hmm. one hundred mm-hmm. I I guarantee you I that agree. he's done far worse with far uh, with other people. And it's like I agree I don't understand that, why yeah. society like doesn't think that way. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, with even like yeah. serial killers, they're like the first fucking sign is that they torture animals. Because then they would, they don't, somebody right. that would do that, it's the same yeah, fucking thing. I agree. So it's like, I agree totally. And you hear that this person is okay pinning down women to the point where they're feeling yeah. like they're about to get raped and ho- mm-hmm. holding women physically hostage. That, that behavior, come on, you know, like, don't you want to yeah. use this and like grabbing and fucking yeah like tearing at them and then yeah he's gonna absolutely. murder some That's, fucking woman yeah. and they're gonna be like well we never saw this fucking coming no really really right. what's a scottish name nigel yeah. uh, sean <laughs> yeah. really mcdougall really i don't know, I don't know their name <laughs> really never saw this coming he has a yeah. bunch of dead puppies yeah. in his backyard like come on exactly no, no i agree I agree. I agree. It's like, you know, not to bring it, but like, it's like Louis CK. It's like, you never, you, you're shocked. Yeah. 
All he talks about is like fucking his kids and nasty ass stuff. Word. You're shocked that he like did he, gross things in front of women. He never hid the fact that he was a gross so, guy. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> no, I don't know about that. It's like, yeah, exactly. Well, those were jokes. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Cop thing. I agree. That's yeah. why I went to the cops. But they don't feel because so. I was like. He's definitely done the, either done this before or doing it again. He's also like really jacked. Like he goes like he's like jacked yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was like flexing his muscles because I was like pushing him, trying to push him away at some point. And he Yikes. and I just remember feeling him like flex his muscles against me. And like, yeah, he and he loved it. He, he fucking he got off on it. Definitely got off. Of course. Oh, he's so got off you see, on it. He's so got off on it. It's your fault. It's yeah. all, this is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to tell you <laughs> why. I will, I will never, I never date anyone that I can't physically beat up in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Damn. That's a joke. <laughs> I see some, I see some man's yeah. triceps. I'm like, no, go away. I will, will never be in a room alone with you, sir. Just, I'm totally kidding. Of course he got off on it. Of course. Yeah, and then men are he like, totally did. men are so into being like strong, and like you're really yeah. telling me that you can't believe that this man gets off on like pinning women down, right? You really, yeah. Come on. And the reactions, of course, yeah. like God, I, I know this one friend. He's like, well, but why did you go to his oh, house God. and like smoke weed with him? Dox these people. But you went to his house, like it was like after mean? midnight. If I go and smoke. I was weed, like, what the? What fuck, does that mean? If yeah. I go smoke weed at your yeah. house, you're going to try to rape me? What are you fucking talking about? Exactly. Exactly. I was like, what? This, we were hanging out. We had a fun, yeah, granted, we had a fun we night. Were we were so laughing our asses off. He's like really good at character impressions. We were talking in character, character voices impression. all night. We barely had a real conversation. <laughs> you know, like we're just like, oi, oi, all right. You know, what that the is... fuck? I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Like, it's. It's so fucked up. Lucy, people I'm are like, so yeah, sorry. and the cops too. What the character? I'm so I sorry that you almost you got almost raped by a character comedian, Kermit, Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. That is. This is what this podcast yeah. is about. That is kind of funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Doing I mean, voice. there's a lot of funny shit. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you can laugh because it's your story. Yeah. Oh my god! And I can, and I always, you know, it took me a while to laugh about this one, but it, I definitely, I think, like, you know, the yeah. the, I think it's so sad when people say you're not allowed, you're not allowed to laugh. How are we at, supposed to cope? Sad things. I'm gonna How fucking to kill cope? myself also, if I really don't fucking laugh about. This. It's like if I don't laugh, but also, I'm gonna fuck. I'm not gonna make it, bro. Well, that first of all, and secondly, I love this like quote by Peter Ustinov, yeah. and he says humor is just a funnier way of being serious it's like yeah. it doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not serious it it's still serious whatever happened yeah exactly or minimize the anything up shit, it's Lucy. like men will hear us making jokes about it and then they're like well obviously it's not true obviously you didn't almost get raped because you're right. fucking laughing and it's this way of deep right. i'm like what the fuck are you talking about we yeah. make, people make jokes from their trauma all the fucking time. And it's a disgusting of way course. that people try to dehumanize us when they do it themselves too. You know, I saw, yeah. I remember this, yeah. this like old paper. I, I read this article references this old paper. And I think about this all the time. There was this like white fucking guy. I don't know in the 1700s or whatever. And in America, and he went to like a slave auction 
and he he mm-hmm. wrote oh there was this uh, oh this is really bad for these uh, black people and it's very dehu- he was like writing oh this is not good obviously this is like very we shouldn't do this and i saw a mom mm-hmm. and someone someone bought her son and she was Ugh. devastated and it was like a six-year-old son and she was crying and then he said but then after she saw like a dog she was crying sitting down and she, a dog came up to her and she started laughing and petting the dog and he said that's proof that black people aren't human and i was like oh. and i was like <gasps> this is exactly oh what men are doing you know it's like this disgusting prejudice that people have this misogyny this racism where they're trying so hard to dehumanize us oh look at her she's laughing about this guy doing a current obviously he didn't try to rape her then obviously she's not a human being like me i'm a man i feel real emotions and i would i wouldn't laugh like that it's like that disgusting hatred that they have for Mm. you know that discriminant that bigoted fucking brain can't see us as Mm. human beings so they they make these like weird little and i'm like what fucking person watching their son being sold into slavery knowing that she'll never see her son again in that moment your brain is fucking free it's short-circuiting you know what i mean it's trauma it's a a trauma that a white man will never fucking know and in that moment who the fuck knows what your brain is gonna do yeah yeah and what your reaction is gonna be and that's exactly that's the thing though isn't it is like it's also this reaction of like, you know, um, if you're not what I expect you to be, yep. then then you're not valid or what you or, or, or it's not real yep. or or or, you know, and it's this like total lack. It's a total lack of empathy. Total That's lack. what it is. And it shows a you know? huge lack of humanity like that writer. Yeah, that makes exactly. him inhumane to me. Like yeah. a man yeah, telling yeah, yeah. you that you're not yeah. allowed to laugh at your uh, attempted rape, that makes that person inhumane. That pick, that makes that person incompatible with the rest of humanity to me. Like, how yeah. can you not yeah, understand? I, mean, I even had a problem. I even had a problem with the men that at, at the beginning of the Me Too movement and stuff would say things like, "Oh my God, I never knew." that it was like oh this God. for you guys. And I, like, what? I don't want to be like mean because it's like, okay, fine, f- fair enough. You never, yeah, but like, what? You. you never thought about it? Like, that's like saying to a person in a wheelchair, like, I never knew that it was hard for you to get up the stairs. Yeah. You know, it's like, really? You never thought about the fact that like my experience of life is different than it's yours? It's like, you never, uh, you can't yeah, convince you never me otherwise. to think about it? The fact that, you know, we everyone talks about like, well, for me personally, I feel like they do see it. They just don't want to think about it because it's yucky. You right. Know? It's they yucky. see it yeah, a lot, yeah. but yeah. they just like, they yeah. just like block it from their view. And I understand that. Like the wheelchair example, like I see somebody in a wheelchair, wheelchair and I'm like, oh, maybe I should like help them or whatever. But it's like, I don't want to sit and think about how difficult that person's life is because I'm like, dude, that's that sucks, you know? And it's shitty because it's like I should because then that's where change comes from. But I get it. It's like yeah, if you're not but, forced to think about something shitty. Nobody wants to. But like still we have to because we have to help each other. But I feel like with especially with with men and in their relation to, to women yeah. with a lot of men. Yeah. And, and I, I look, I love men. I have a boyfriend. I love him. <laughs> I'm not a, like it's not I like I'm like boyfriend. I hate men. I've had many <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
But like, I feel like there's, it's almost for a lot of them emasculating to admit Mm. that we have a different experience of life that's not not by choice. Mm-hmm. No matter what we wear, no matter what we do, no matter what our work is, no matter how tall, how short, how strong, how fat, how skinny, how whatever we are, mm-hmm. we have a different experience of life than men. And we are mo- more, like we are, have to be more afraid. We have to, yeah. we are more vulnerable in more um, situations. And so like, I feel like for a lot of men, just admitting that it makes them feel emasculated. Mm. Yeah. Or makes them feel like, like they think that we're guilty. They think that we're saying that about them. And I'm like, we're not, no, this is like, unless, unless why are you feeling what? Like, why are you feeling guilty? Unless yeah. you should be guilty. Right, exactly. You know, like, what, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, so. it's a weird reaction. It's like uh, just that, that lack of empathy re- reaction is so interesting to me. What, what yeah, is, is it that somebody that has a different life than you says, my life is like this. And you're like, no, it's not like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. What is that yeah. reaction? It's yeah. weird. Yeah, it is Um, weird. But I think you're right. It is about like guilt and it is about not like it's too much for people. It's too much for for a lot of people to take on and to like internalize, you know, I want to be not this. I want to show compassion to these people that have no compassion. But like, you know, I want to (laughs) be empathetic to these people that have no empathy. Yeah. But like I like I understand. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, nobody wants to think about shitty stuff unless they have to. Like, I get it. But like. That's true. But you know, the, the bare, I think the lesson here, this episode is that the bare minimum you could do is if something shitty happens to somebody, instead of feeling like you have to make it better, you know, just, just say that happened to you. And I see it, I see it happen to you. And it, yeah. it, it was hard. And I can see that it was very hard for you. That's all you have to say. That's what the yeah. parenting book taught me. And it, it's like magic. Like if you say that to somebody, mm. especially someone who's been uh, used to living a life of constantly being gaslit, like sometimes I'll say things to my mom and she's like, she's like shitty and her friends are shitty and they're judgy and mean to each other. And mm. she'll say something to me like, Oh, this happened to me. And I'm like, mom, that sounds really hard. I'm very sorry that you mm-hmm. went through that. And she'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, like she'll like light up. It's like mm-hmm. all people want mm-hmm. is like to be seen and heard seriously. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. That was so, I'm so thankful that you shared your story. How do you feel? Do you feel? I feel, I feel good because I actually have never talked about this, um, in public like this. And I feel that it's like freeing. And I also, you know, um, it's an, it's like a relatively newer thing for me to like be open uh with my own vulnerabilities (laughs) you know because I'm so used to like oh I'm fine I'm a tough guy you know and so I feel happy that I'm able to do that and um and I I don't feel like you know I was doing it because I felt I had to or to impress you which is also a big thing that I have to you know that I've been that like is part of me where I always like you know, want to be liked and all of that. And I don't feel like I did any, uh, I, I shared any of it because I felt like I had to or, or needed to do that 
in this context. I I did because I wanted to mm. and because I think that it's um really important to talk about these things and Absolutely. it's really important to like, you know, I love the concept of this podcast that like you talk about something sad and then you laugh about it, you know, without it being like an artificial process that just kind of naturally happened and we know each other and and I feel like yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we sort of have in common. Yeah. So it felt like safe and, and good and interesting. And and um, yeah, I feel good. I feel good. So thank you. Well, I just want to say that you have impressed me. And I don't think that it's like you, <laughs> you always impressed me. And I always feel like, you know, something that really touched me was when you were saying that um, what what made you really upset about what you went through is that this person made you feel like you weren't who you thought you were and you weren't tough and strong, Mm. but I don't think that that's true. I think you're very strong and I think you're very tough. And I feel like, um, all of those traits that you value about yourself are 100% true. And I don't think that he's taken any of that away. So thank you. I really, no, I'm going to (laughs) cry. And so I, I just want you to know that those things that you find so important by yourself are true and they shine through and everyone can see it. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And, and fuck fuck that that guy. guy. (laughs) Thank you. And I think you're right. I think you're right. I, 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 I think you're right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) <sighs> where can our where can our <sighs> listeners find you? I know you were at the last show. Hopefully they saw you. Um so you can find me on Instagram at you love Lucy, the letter U L O V E L U C I E. I just started a podcast a couple months ago called Immigrant Jam that Young Me is on. Yeah, One of my like, first guests. Um I love the episode is so, so funny. interesting and so so funny. And, um, so you can find that and then, yeah, on Instagram and I guess just, um, yeah, I do live shows in New York mostly. I'm going to Australia for two weeks, so I'll be in Australia. Yeah. Fun. So that's where. All right. Yay. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.